1: Welcome back to another episode of Friends from Work, a podcast about all things in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I'm Robbie Earle. As always, I'm joined by the handsome and talented Kyle Sconewill.
0: Oh, wow. Wow. What, <laughs> what an intro. For a second there, I wanted to kind of do the Han Solo thing and be like, yeah, I know. But then I was like, I don't want people to think I'm that conceited. Well, Although- hey, I mean,
1: you know, it worked for Han Solo.
0: Yeah, I was just, just going to say, it didn't work for him. <laughs> Anyways, thank you for that intro. I am, I am flattered.
1: Well, you know, sometimes people miss out on that. This is the audio format, but I don't, I, I want to try to be able to kind of engage all of the senses as best we can here.
0: You're right. If people could see me right now, they would know exactly what you're talking about. No doubt. <laughs> exactly. Robbie, dude, five more days only until WandaVision comes out. Five. Wow. wow. We got our last Marvel Cinematic Universe thing. On July 2, 2019, with Far From Home, think about that. That is officially a longer drought than I ever thought it was going to be. We always asked for that space, and we got it.
1: (laughs) But now,
0: five more days. I'm just kind of letting that sink in a little bit.
1: Man, yeah. And I I feel like here in these last few days, um, everyone's been getting especially amped for WandaVision because they've been dropping sort of some more information on what the show is going to look like structurally. Uh, We found out uh, that the show, which we thought at one point was going to have six episodes, is actually going to have nine episodes, which is great news. Yes. Um, And we found out that Friday, not only is episode one dropping, but episode one and two are dropping. And then the next Friday, January 22nd, we'll get episode three. So... You know, it's just funny because I, I feel like for the last year, it's just been nothing but bad news. Anytime we get updates on these shows, right? It's been like, oh, this has been paused indefinitely or this has been pushed back um, for at least, you know, half a year. And now it's fun that we're, you know, these press releases come out and things are just getting brighter and brighter.
0: When Robbie and I started this podcast, let's just call it spade a spade. We wanted to literally enjoy these movies on air and enjoy them with you guys. But we never really wanted to become the podcast that like dove into every screenshot of every trailer and tried to like figure out what this theory could be or whatever. We kind of just wanted to view the movies, view the shows, enjoy them and go from there. So I'm just right. being honest with people. I hope that we can bring some passion to this WandaVision show and that the discussion about it after the episode is so fun for everyone because I think it's going to be a blast for us. Right. But if you're looking for all those little, little details, we might not <laughs> be the show for you. Although, although, we enjoy when you guys find those Easter eggs and send them to us, right? So right. that's been kind of fun. But, dude, I just, I'm, I'm on the precipice of this five days out, and I can't literally wait. I watched... Before we get into Legends, by the way, which is what this yep. is going to be about, I watched uh, Elizabeth Olsen do an interview on Jimmy Kimmel Live. Did you see that at all? I didn't see that. Oh, wow. So maybe I am one of those people, apparently, that gets <laughs> all the cutting-edge cutting, cutting edge information here.
1: Wow, Mr. Speculation.
0: No, I just thought it was it was fun. They showed a clip of the show that I'd never seen before, Robbie. Oh, wow. And... It was different than the trailer. And it, again, it just gets me so excited. Like the clip that I saw, they are really obviously, like we know, like massively playing into this like 1950s sitcom thing. Mm-hmm. And it's so ridiculous. It's so tongue in cheek. And I love it. Like they know mm-hmm. it, right? Like they know that this is ridiculous looking. They went as far as to use like actual strings on the props and like practical effects in that way how they used to do it
1: wow um
0: so this this clip is just a shot of them in the bedroom um but in separate beds next to each other Uh and vision's trying to sleep and wanda hears like some weird like cheesy sound effect like crashing sound like a like you would hear in Uh the 1950s and she's like startled like what is that and she keeps turning on the light with her powers huh and then it like keeps making this noise, and finally Vision wakes up and goes, Wanda, are you turning on the light with your powers? And, like, there's a laugh track. Ha, 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 ha. It's like, (laughs) and she's like, yes, I am. And then Vision gets up out of his bed. It's black and white and checks the window and turns on the light with his hands. And then there's another crash sound. And he goes like, oh, and runs and, like, gets in his bed under the covers. It's, like, (laughs) so over-the-top cheesy, and I love it. Like, it's so gold. You know what I'm saying? Like they're playing into no, 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 it yeah. so much. It makes the Man, like disturbing twist that we're inevitably going to get that much better.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I and I and I wonder if that's why we're getting two episodes up front. You know, like I I wonder if that's kind of how long it takes for them to start really planting the seeds and kind of get that hook. Like I could see it being a slow burn in a slow build which i'm totally fine with by the way like I, this is something where i would always rather you kind of earn it even if that feels like it takes longer to to build to it you know i mean we've talked about that i think that's one of the things that made the infinity saga work so well anyway as opposed to like it's the difference right between like the first Avengers film and Justice League, in terms of kind of the amount of of time you put into these characters, and I think even on a micro level, that could be the case here. Like I would like to see them sort of run with the the faux happiness angle before they really like plunge us into what you mentioned will be kind of the inevitable dark twist there. Right. Uh, but also, you know, like as you're as you're talking about that. I just am so impressed with them for taking this yes. approach. Yep. You know, like I, I just – I never imagined that it would be – you know, obviously we've been hearing now for a while that it would be kind of sitcom But initially when this was introduced, I, I just didn't – it would be one thing for them to even kind of take the angle that I think they're taking kind of based on what we've talked about with, with what I've read in the comics – of kind of these things happening in Wanda's mind or because of Wanda's powers or something. But to go, one, this kind of sitcom angle and then to commit so hard that, like we've said before, they filmed so much of this on a soundstage, like like you're saying, like they would have filmed a show like I Love Lucy. Like, that is a level of commitment that I think is really cool and, again, just speaks to the kind of dedication that Kevin Feige and, you know, Marvel Studios as a whole has to these
0: projects. The level of commitment to be this different is the game changer for me. Because people have heard me complain a lot about the Star Wars series, how it was a reboot and not committing to being different. And there's so Mm -hmm. many routes they could have taken like the, like, like Marvel doesn't need to reinvent the wheel at this point. They could just throw out a show that's exactly the same as what they've been doing for the Infinity Saga and people would watch it and they'd make a ton of money. But I right. love that coming off Endgame, and Far From Home, but especially off Endgame, they're looking at it, taking a break, and then coming back with something so different, like swinging for the fences, not trying to recreate right. anything that just was successful for them, and I love that. Two other factoids, because here I am, just said we're not the show that does this, (laughs) and now I'm about to do it. Two other factoids that I gathered from this interview that I thought was very interesting. One, Elizabeth Olsen said that there are different episodes that are different tributes to different decades of sitcoms. So she made it sound like they kind of start in the 1950s, like a la Dick Van Dyke. And then Uh later they advance like a 60s sitcom, then like a 70s sitcom, an 80s sitcom, et cetera. I don't know how far they're going to go with that. I don't know if they're going to get to like Seinfeld (laughs) in the 90s. or Or are they just going to leave it kind of in that 50s, 60s era? But she mentioned that. And I don't know if it's a linear thing as far as like each episode moves through another decade. None of that's confirmed. But... I thought that was an interesting tidbit that maybe no, yeah. you're going to get these different decades.
1: That is interesting because, you know, in the trailers, which I assume our listeners have seen at least some of, you know, you see a lot of cuts from sometimes it's black and white and yeah, like they look very kind of pick a fence fifties. Sometimes they look like they're in, like he's got the kind of longer, like seventies style hair. Um, And so and it's color. So, yeah, I I didn't know what the format of that was going to be in terms of if it was going to flip between those in each episode or kind of dedicate each to a certain style. It sounds more like the latter, if not if not entirely that way, which I think is a good idea.
0: It'll also just be fascinating to see how much of the show lives in each era, because like what these trailers tend to do is usually show you stuff from the very beginning. You know, remember I got there's a lot of trailers where I see like the first scene. You know, right? And right. So Which it, I, it I think it's the right move. Right. Exactly. They don't want to spoil anything, or if there's a big twist that they can't share. So it's interesting that we may be seeing a lot of the 1950s here. For all we know, that could only be one episode, and maybe they move right. out of it right away into color. Who knows? Um. Also, by by the way, just I to add what you said earlier about being different. Um, this is out of order, but who cares? I was just thinking about how, like, anytime you do a time period movie, like a timepiece, uh-huh. you have to fully embrace it. And me and you, off air, I kind of knocked Wonder Woman for not being more 1984. <laughs> like, you're right. trying to embrace the 80s, but you don't really go full out with that. In right. some ways. Here's this show coming out, and like if they're gonna do a sitcom thing, I mean they're fully embracing it. Like you said, practical effects. Like Elizabeth Olson was Elizabeth Olson was talking about. Wow, that name is hard for me to say, Elizabeth Olson. <laughs> I've never tried it that fast. Um, Get used to it. Was talking about yeah, no doubt, amen. <laughs> and a woman was talking was talking about the. Um, Practical effects like the wine bottle being held by string or like the beds being pushed together practically. And like you're talking about the black and white, the studio audience, like that is next level dedication to capturing the time period, which I love. Again, last factoid that Elizabeth shared with us on Jimmy Kimmel, Jimmy Kimmel was kind of like proposing ridiculous fan theories to her to try to gauge her reaction just kind of as a funny bit. Uh But... One of the fan theories that people found, more just an Easter egg that I found to be very fascinating, was the wine bottle in the trailer that's, like, Uh held up by a string. If you zoom in on it, it's got a French label. It's some French word. But the French word translates to House of Misery. Oh, wow. And Elizabeth Olsen just kind of said back, well, A, I don't know anything about those kinds of Easter eggs, but B our prop guy is either amazing or really lucky, but basically kind of hinting like, I think that was an intentional placement of some sort. Hmm. So I thought that was interesting. House that of M, right?
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, which, you know, I'm sure we'll end up talking about some depending on how the the show unfolds or through a Roddy's recommended reading in some form. Um, right. But yeah, House of M is the Brian Michael Bendis event from 2005 uh, in which... Yeah, Scarlet Witch has kind of a break with, with reality and deals with the fallout. Look at, look of at me.
0: Look at me dropping <laughs> a little comic knowledge look and a little factoid knowledge. I'm, I'm becoming who I just said I wasn't going to be. Right, I, love I it.
1: feel like this, this is the episode where we said we're not that and this is already the most <laughs> we've ever been that. <laughs> that I'm so already I doing it. it. <laughs> Studying contradictions. Well, um, yeah, you know. So I, as you said earlier, um, today's episode, we were actually talking about a another show that's just showed up on Disney Plus. I think we've mentioned this um, a few episodes ago. It's not. It's not a new narrative show. Um, it's something called Marvel Studios Legends that basically goes back through character by character and gives us these key moments. It's it's sort of similar to what we've done before um, when we look at particular characters or particular relationships, like Stephen Cap. Um, you know, I. I want to talk about these more in in depth, but um, I watched the episodes that dropped on Friday, which were unsurprisingly on Wanda and Vision. And the reason I bring this up now after this conversation we just had about these sitcoms is I'm so used now to seeing these ads for WandaVision and seeing these little clips on Twitter because it's just all over the place that I was really struck by... Not only how big of a swing this is, but how big of a break this is from the kind of WandaVision stuff we've gotten to now. You know, watching it start back with Age of Ultron and just like the vibe of that and Civil War and then even Infinity War and Endgame. It's like it was just, it it was night and day, (laughs) the difference in tone. I mean, obviously, but it just really hit home.
0: You watch this lead up of, here's where the characters have been, and then all of a sudden it finishes with the WandaVision logo, and I'm like, wait, so they go from all that to a 50s right. sitcom? Wait, right? That like, it doesn't help you at all <laughs> as far as knowing where it's going, which, again, I love.
1: Which, again, um, you know, I, I love that there... We, we've said this before, again, to kind of the commitment to the stories and to the fans. I love that this series exists and and maybe if you want to talk a little bit about what it actually looks like for those who haven't seen it yet that might be good
0: no doubt okay before i dive into legends really quickly let me just say if you're listening to this podcast and you don't subscribe to us we would love that check out apple or spotify you can follow or subscribe there Um, if you use apple you can leave us a review that would be much appreciated and don't forget that you can always chime in with us on social media at the ffw podcast or visit our website theffwpodcast.com. If you're a longtime listener, thanks for listening, and you're probably very tired of me saying that. (laughs) Uh, And if you're just finding us, check out those places. Okay, Marvel Legends. My initial takeaway from watching these two episodes was that it's hard to call them episodes. They're both (laughs) seven minutes long, Robbie. So let's uh, temper expectations. It's seven minutes of no new content. It's all just reflecting on where they've been. But I did think... It was, like you said, interesting to kind of see their paths and their important events linearly Mm -hmm. like this. And it inspired me to do a quick episode like we did with Tony and Cap before Civil War. Because I do think what Marvel's greatest strength is, right? We've talked about this, is the history we already have and the level of investment we already have with these characters, all these characters. Right. So to just kind of like remind you where they've been and how invested you are is genius, I think, before you dive into the show.
1: For sure. I, I think it is, again, I- you know, going back to the DNA of Marvel that Stan Lee injected back in the 60s. And and I've said this ad nauseum, but it, that has always been what's made Marvel different is that they took this continuity, they took the, the whole world and the things that are happening there as, as having real consequences and as mattering, you know, it's like we've said over and over again, like everything matters in this stuff. But it's like that was the big that was the big thing whenever like what's happening with the Fantastic Four actually has an impact on what's happening in these Spider-Man comics over here, which has an impact on what's happening in the Avengers comics over there. Like people take that for granted now. But that's what that's what Marvel was really taking a risk on doing by starting the whole MCU. And I I really love seeing things like this and seeing how much as different as wandavision feels right they're still reminding everyone hey like this is grounded in these things we've seen and what i appreciated about these little seven minute episodes that were so chock full of stuff is they weren't even just totally linear okay here's a big scene from wanda here's another big scene from wanda like i like that they still you know they still wove in like a lot of the context for Age of Ultron, you know, like, some of the context for Civil War. So it's still giving the sense that, like, we're not even just isolating these characters. Everything that they've been a part of is going to kind of play into that.
0: Oh, I also like that they even... Spliced in audio.
1: Yes, I was about to say that.
0: Of like their own voices, but from different scenes. Yeah. That's still like applied to a new scene. I didn't, yeah. I didn't describe that very well, but you know what I mean.
1: No, I thought that was so, it was almost kind of like a, a remix. Like I, I noticed, I even noticed that like as they're recounting that scene from Age of Ultron, where at the very beginning, you know, the Ultron AI is kind of taking out the Jarvis AI. Um, they yes. spliced in the audio there from Iron Man 3. That's where, what I meant. Yeah, where Jarvis is saying, Oh, sir, you know, I believe I'm malfunctioning. And if it, it works so perfectly there. And obviously, like only people that have watched these movies way too much <laughs> like right. we have would notice that that what because it fits so well. But yeah, I think it's a it's a really cool way of showing um how kind of organic these stories are.
0: No doubt. Okay, let's look briefly at Wanda and where she's been first. Yes. Okay, like what were some of your takeaways from the thing? I thought a couple of key things to remember, and I know our audience knows Wanda's story, but I was kind of reminded that oh yeah, she volunteered for Strucker's experiment, which was just a fun reminder to me. That's yeah, That's where she gets point. her powers from. She then goes on to have that jaded Tony Stark thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which we talked about in the Spider-Man episode and argued yep. about. One of my friends texted me, Kyle, don't break up with Robbie, please. <laughs> Over that <laughs> argument, by the way. Which I love. Um, right. She then, member has that whole thing with Ultron in Age of Ultron. And what's so funny to me is I saw another Twitter comment again, Robbie, ripping Ultron, the movie. Yeah. Uh, and huh. it's so funny because, like, did you notice how much of this Legends episode for her and for Vision was based yeah. in Ultron? Because yeah. again, it ended up being really important, people. Right. And I don't
1: wanna, I don't wanna beat a dead horse here, but I, I think that I was even struck by, like, you know, if if Age of Ultron has any issues, I, I think they come from maybe. Maybe it's a bit bloated at points. It's trying to do a lot at points. But whenever I saw it kind of pared down here to these key moments, I was like, man, there's so much good stuff in there. Like whenever you can <laughs> kind of like get some of that out and 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 like, you know, almost put blinders on and just look at some of these more kind of core relational aspects of the film. I think like the writing, the performances there were were really on point more often than not.
0: No doubt. We've talked about that before. Come on, we can't let this turn into an age of Ultron episode, <laughs> but you know what I mean. Right. Um, my other key takeaway is like Thor, this legends episode showed us that she has lost so much. Yeah. She loses her brother, right? Then she makes that epic mistake in civil war, and they point to that. Mm-hmm. She actually has, I forgot, like a, a couple like key scenes where she fights Vision. Like, Vision is on the other side. She has that really heartbreaking scene where she's, like, throwing Vision through the floor. And he says, like, if you do this, they won't ever stop fearing you. Mm -hmm. And so, like, there's a disagreement there, too. I love, then, how Vision and Wanda handled that with grace after that. And then she loses Vision twice in Infinity War. So I think my biggest takeaway was, man if she does end up creating an alternate reality where she just wants to live because she's in depression, it's understandable.
1: Oh, yeah, right. I mean, I, I was struck by the same thing. Um, and, and I really like the way, again, like, you know, this was a seven-minute thing, but I think it was really packed full of a, a lot of good, useful content. And I think one of the things it did narratively that I thought was really effective was whenever it shows Wanda facing down Thanos at the end of Endgame, which is a fantastic scene in that movie. Um, we're seeing these kind of flashes in black and white to these really pivotal moments where she's lost people or suffer these tragedies. So you, right. know, you get a flash to Pietro, you get a, a flash to the scene where where Vision is killed, you know, twice, uh, and then and then that line, you know, that she says to Thanos, you know, you've taken everything from me. And it really is, yeah, you're right. I mean, it's it's a really uniquely tragic yes. story, even in a different way than, like, Thor's has also been tragic, but there's just a different through line there. Um, sure. And, you know, one thing that you just said that I, I haven't really thought about before, way back when we started this, I think when we were on The Incredible Hulk, we kind of talked about how that movie was sort of trying to make the connection with Captain America, even though First Adventure hadn't been released yet, in kind of talking about how they were trying to recreate the super soldier formula and sort of how different Bruce Banner's experience winds up being from Steve Rogers. But you make a really good point because this this, uh, Legends episode highlights intentionally Steve's line where he says, yeah, you know, what kind of crazy person would sign up to have a German scientist experiment on them for their country? and It is really, you're right. I mean, like, Pietro and Wanda, in a lot of ways, were kind of the Sokovian Captain Americas, like, in their minds, probably. (laughs) Kind of, kind of. You know I mean? Like, not not in what they became, but in at least kind of the way they started. And, you know, you could argue they had different intentions because they were kind of driven through this, if not revenge, at least kind of an anger, where, you know, Cap's intentions were maybe a bit uh, loftier. But I think that that is, yeah, I mean, to to look at the fact that they signed up for that and they signed up for it together, right? And then so soon, her brother, who's her twin brother, who, like, they had already been through so much together, like, is now gone, right? And And then she's thrust into this world of Avengers and she's living in a different country and has no familiarity around her and things are, you know, it just, it really puts into perspective how the events then of civil war would have hit her, you know, much less the tragedies of, of infinity war.
0: Side note. I've always loved Thanos's line in response. I don't even know who you are is one of my favorite. Actually those three lines Are just some of the best dialogue that she would show up and go you took everything from me and for his response to be so badass that it's i don't even know who you are and for her to then one up him and say you will is the ultimate badass move like you will (laughs) (laughs) i love it so much um that actually leads me to my last point on wanda which actually leads me directly into vision so this is a perfect transition great I've always been struck by the linear evolution of Wanda's powers. So you Mm. see these clips and it's like she first just starts with like playing with a few blocks that she can Mm -hmm. move with her hands. So then like kind of in seven minutes flash to her literally like taking down Thanos. And all throughout, it's been a very good progression of why she's getting stronger and how she's getting stronger. And she got so strong that she can create her own realities slash take Thanos down. I mean, Thanos literally has to rain fire to get it to stop. Right. That's a
1: great observation there because I I think, again, it puts that scene in Civil War, which ends up being so pivotal, into context because that is us seeing kind of live, her learning how to use her powers, right? Because like, by the time we do get to that scene in Endgame, she obviously has total control, even in Infinity War, right? Like, we see her lift those, like, massive, like, whatever you want to call them, like, underground tank things into the air. And But in Civil War, like, she struggles even to kind of lift rimlow up all the way without it colliding into that building. So I think it is, we get scenes like that with Wanda that I really don't feel like we get with many other characters.
0: Right. Well, and the reason I bring up evolution is because that was my biggest takeaway with vision. It was just kind of wild to see vision as Jarvis again, wasn't it? To go right. back to just a Iron voice. Man. Right. From Iron Man 1, just a voice where he's a, the computer. And it's kind of cool to remember that he's been there since Iron Man 1, which is True. wild. But yeah. then how he evolves, they even use that word, he's evolving a lot, all the way to where we see him now going into WandaVision, where I mean, he got to a point where he could make himself look like a human being and switch in between human being and, like, robot guy. Mm -hmm. And um, his powers have also evolved during that time. Yeah. His powers have also evolved during that time. So I was just kind of struck by, yeah, going back to Jarvis to where we are now, his evolution as well. Well, and and that's something
1: that I don't know if we've talked about before, but I, I really love the MCU's take on Jarvis and how that feeds into Vision. Because in the comics, Jarvis was an actual, at least in the classic, classic comics, was an actual human butler. Um, And we have, for those, I I feel like we have some listeners who have watched the Agent Carter series. And I should say that in the Agent Carter series, they have Jarvis be the butler. Well, and he shows up in, in Endgame, actually. Um, right. he's the butler for Howard Stark. And so the understanding then is, you know, that Tony kind of names his AI after that. But, you know, way before we got that, I just, you know, props to Jon Favreau for, for thinking to kind of create this AI with this particular kind of attitude and personality that Tony can bounce off of the way he does. Because that, I mean, so much of that first Iron Man, especially, is just them talking, right? It's just Paul Bettany's voice in these conversations with with Robert Downey Jr.'s Tony Stark. And, yeah, to see that Jarvis kind of AI not only go through all the Iron Man movies, but also even those scenes that we get in this Marvel Legends episode where he's talking to to Tony, like, as he's fighting the Battle of New York, you know, like, some of those kind of memorable, like, Jarvis, you heard the story of Jonah lines. Uh, yeah, you're right. I mean, it's like he's been there with Tony through, like, all of this growth that we've talked about Tony having.
0: Right. I was also reminded that he has maybe one of the dopest intros ever we've gotten into a superhero <laughs> when, you know, they show that scene where he gets created and everyone's terrified and he says, I don't know if you, you know, I don't know how I can make you trust me, but we have to go and he's holding the hammer. And right. everyone's like, they just had that hammer discussion. Oh, right. I love that scene, and then that kind of (laughs) pivots right into elevators now. Yeah, right, right. right. (laughs) That kind of pivoted right into just the reminder of the incredible character work done towards the end of that movie, and then especially in Civil War and Infinity War. This okay. My biggest takeaway was how much I love Civil War. In this, I think I love Civil War more than most people, and I love that they're emphasizing how important the events were from Civil War and from Ultron for a show like Vision. Mm-hmm. So you get to see that amazing character work that Vision has in Civil War. And that's actually kind of where this relationship is born. And they remind you of that. Right. Um,
1: yeah, I mean, as long as we're talking about the, the relationship there, I I love that, yes, as much as, one... You're right. It definitely blossoms in Civil War and then kind of comes to fruition in Infinity War. I do love that Joss Whedon, in the midst of everything else he was trying to juggle in Age of Ultron, still gave us some great moments that kind of seeded the relationship. And, and you know, comics fans at that point were hoping that it would turn into the relationship that we eventually got because that's such a famous part of the Avengers comics lore is Scarlet Witch envisions. Vision's... Uh, marriage actually but I love that even in Age of Ultron you know that in this Marvel Legends episode we see her kind of reading his thoughts whenever he's still quote-unquote Ultron's vision Um, and then kind of that leading her to then want to pull the plug on him but then Thor comes in and creates him and then we see Vision is the one that saves her in the Battle of Sokovia like even there right like there's We're seeing the beginnings of this kind of connection. Um, And I like that even from the beginning that was there.
0: Yeah, I feel like that relationship's been handled really well. And honestly, I think most people think it's been handled well. And that's kind of impressive because anytime you have two superheroes actually like dating, you're kind of entering crazy territory here. Like the Nat and Bruce thing, which by the way, I liked. But I'm just saying we don't (laughs) get a whole lot of that in a lot of other relationships. So... It'll be really interesting to see how they progress that relationship in this show. I mean, Legends served its purpose in that I did get reminded of some key events and I am even more excited to watch WandaVision on Friday. So I guess mission accomplished then.
1: No, totally. I I feel the exact same way. I I think, you know, I'm reminded not only of each of these characters' kind of emotional growth and journeys, I'm also reminded that, you know, in, in contrast, for instance, to, like, Falcon Winter Soldier, um, where we have two of the, of the, like, less powerful characters, which doesn't make them any less interesting, right, but just objectively less powerful. And in this show, we have arguably the two most powerful Avengers um, as we've kind of seen them go through, and saw them sort of paired off in Civil War and Infinity War, and and now in this totally like we said different setting, and and what's crazy about it is in this seemingly innocuous setting, you know, where Wanda's we've seen her use these powers to take down Thanos, who's apparently the you know supposed to be the strongest being in the universe, and now she's just using her powers to f- flip on and off a light switch, uh, right? So it's the juxtaposition so there is great. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I, I I would definitely encourage, if you haven't gotten to see this yet, like we said, I mean, it's 14 minutes total. Um,
0: Robbie, hold on. I love that instead of, like we always talk about, instead of realizing they need to go bigger, because you're right, they have two of the most powerful characters. So the, like the DC answer, <laughs> or like the natural answer would be, well, we need to make them have an incredibly bigger threat. Like if she can stand up against Thanos, we need to now have like, this galactic something or that's like you true. know what I'm saying yeah. like raise yeah, the yeah, stakes yeah. but instead what Marvel's so genius about is like they know they're so powerful so let's instead focus on their humanity and like put them in a sitcom or user powers to turn on light switches yeah love it wow. love it that's like a let's go the opposite way
1: that's a you great just kind of
0: reminded me of that when you said that see <laughs> Robbie that's why we're good for each other
1: look at that look at the give and take see maybe we shouldn't break up after all
0: <laughs> we probably shouldn't <laughs>
1: I I, yeah if if you have not gotten the chance to to watch these yet um, again they're really short I think I might even watch them with Candace again just right before WandaVision comes out on Friday just because you know she has not watched these movies like 25 times like I have so I think (laughs) you know it's just a good just like 13 (laughs) right right you know it's, it's a good place setter um, and, and I, I would just say kind of in, in closing, I think that they're just really well made. Uh, I was really curious to see how, like if they would have a, like a voiceover narration or if there was going to be some sort of host, they kind of looked back on this and they're basically just extended like previously ons that, you know, you normally get before like serial episodes of shows. Um, but I feel like that's, you know. I don't want to just dismiss that that does take some kind of creative effort. And even when we talked about in terms of kind of knowing where to splice an audio from other movies and kind of making it tell this coherent narrative, I really do think that even though they are like seven minutes long, again, like they were well made. Like I think that they're, they're quality like little mini episodes.
0: Absolutely. So check those out. And don't forget that freaking WandaVision is out on Friday. So next week, Monday, we'll be talking about that show. First time having new content. It's actually here. We cannot wait. Thank you so much for listening. As I mentioned earlier, please subscribe. Please follow. Please give us a review. Uh, Hit us up on social media at the FFW podcast. But guys, let's get ready. Let's get primed to talk about that show. We cannot wait. And we'll see you. Next Monday, talking WandaVision on Friends from Work.